yo, welcome. This is So Disrespectful Sports Talk Show. I'm your host, Don Suave. And I got a quick one for everyone. You know, I do appreciate everyone for tuning in and listening. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe on my YouTube channel. Also, like, subscribe, follow on my social medias. And also, wherever you listen to on podcasts, don't forget to support as well. Every little thing helps, you know what I'm saying? No matter if it's a, a little listen, a lot listen, a little donation here and there. Any way to support straight up, I very much appreciate it and is very much thankful to everything. Now, this is like I said, this is going to be a quick one. You know, this right here is just a recap of NFL season. We know we're going to talk about a few more. I mean, it is one of our favorite games. It's, you know, I know baseball is America's pastime, but let's be real. When it comes to NFL, things get shut down. You know, I can talk about churches playing sermons around NFL football. And shit, some of y'all may, I don't know if y'all seen it. You go to YouTube, there's a church who actually did a sermon on the Super Bowl event as well. Hey, I guess, look, football is gold in the Western Hemisphere. But this one, this podcast, I just want to discuss, um, the NFL season in general. I got three interviews coming up as well after the brace. I got uh, AJ Rissa to do the Baltimore Ravens. I got Bruce Howard to do the Dallas Cowboys. And to finish it all off, I got Lorenzo Hicks, aka Renzo, to do the Sesco 49ers. You know, of course, their team was just in the Super Bowl. And trust me, he has a lot to talk about, including AJ and including. Uh, Bruce Howard with the Dallas Cowboys, you know, those are top three teams that, you know, the, the fan base is, is a bigger dis- a big disbelief. But I do got upcoming ones as well. But those three, you know, I just had to get on the board. I thank them for coming onto the show and telling what needs what they what they report on, get uh, answering questions, you know. And if you want to as well, you can always hit me up on my social media. You can leave a comment down below on my YouTube channel. You can send a message to a podcast if you want to come on the show. And if you want to discuss your team, just hit me up and we can make it happen. My show is so disrespectful. I'm not on with, they'll be talking all the time. If people want to talk, I'd gladly give you the mic and let you talk. You know, hey, what's, what's it all about sports? It's all about us, the fans. It's because of the fans, they support sports. Is a fan that the athletes play for. They ain't just the accolades they like, but they definitely like the support of the fans as well. So, going back to what I want to talk about, for me, what do I have to say about the 2023-2024 season? All in all, it was a pretty good season. Really pretty good season. Really shocking as well. Some stuff, if you would have talked to me in 2022, the end of 2023 season. You know, I would have not even nowhere thought about the things that happened this past season. I know Detroit was on a run the previous season, but to tell me that Detroit Lions actually had a chance to go to a Super Bowl, I would never believe you. I was nowhere near, nowhere near. I would never believe you. And I like Dan Campbell. He's the type of coach I would love to play for. But you telling me they have a, they actually was one game away from the Super Bowl? I thought you'd be playing Madden. And I thought they probably done got some players on their team and, you know, fantasy draft. Then you had Houston, Houston Texans. Who went? Who was last? Who was last the previous season? And this season, not only did they go to the playoffs, they won the division. Not just that. They had a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback. And they won a playoff game. The Houston yeah. Texans. Really? Yes. And you know what I give all I get credit to? Yeah, I get credit to the owner for bringing D'Amico Ryan, but D'Amico Ryan's should have won coach of the year. Not Kevin Stefanski. I understand the Browns did good. Of course, we're going to talk about the Browns as well. But you have to realize. The Houston Texans was last, last season. That's why they had a top draft pick to pick C.J. Stroud. And they had a rookie head coach. 
And don't get me wrong, D'Amico Ryan was good with Harrison Ford Islands the previous year. And to have his first year as a head coach and to take a team that was one of the worst teams last year to be one of the best teams in the AFC and he doesn't win coach of the year? Are you serious? That NFL honors was so... You know what? This is my show. That NFL honors thing, some of those awards were so stupid who they gave it to. Defensive player of the year. I like Miles Gary. He's a, he's a great player. Great defensive player. But you cannot tell me, no matter how hard you try to spin it, uh, as a Cleveland Brown ownership paid the NFL honors people, there's no way Miles Garrett had a better season than TJ Watt. Nowhere near. None. NFL Comeback Player of the Year. They gave it to Joe Flacco. I mean, I guess. I mean, maybe because Deshaun got hurt. They signed Flacco. He took him to the playoffs. Okay. But assistant coach of the year gave, gave it to Jim Schwartz for the Browns. The Browns won four awards in the NFL Honors. Four. Yet lost the wild card against the Houston Texans. Kansas Fansky, no. Should not have been the coach of the year. Miles Garrett, no. Should not have been defensive player of the year. And I don't think just Swartz would have been, should have been assistant head coach of the year. I don't think that. I don't. I, they, it shouldn't have been. Don't get me like I said. Don't get me wrong. The Browns had a good season. Don't get me wrong. But it, but when you think of honors, coach of the year, so many things. You got to think about the requirements you think for coach of the year. Coach of the year literally would mean they took a team and made them better. Yes, Kevin Stefanski made it better, but in a totality, of everything, D'Amico Ryan took a team that was top draft last year and made them AFC South champions, win a playoff game against the Browns, and they went to play against the Ravens. In school, the Houston Texans got an A. No questions asked. What is in the playoffs? It's an A+. They got extra credit. Their GPA went, went past 4.0. Okay, so let's get back to the season. Let's talk about the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs were just bored, honestly. You know, when the Chiefs were going through the end of the season, you know, a lot of people were looking at them and saying that, oh, they might not be the same Chiefs as before, and their receivers are dropping the pass. I mean, a lot of things that was happening this season with Chiefs was well, true. And I'm one of them too. I was like, Okay, so are you sh is this the really the hit that we've been waiting for? Because Tyree Hill won't there. They don't have a number one receiver. You only got Kelsey is really your prime target. Eventually, he's going to get double teamed, so the other receivers got to step up. But they keep dropping passes left and right. And then after the Raiders game, when they got smoked, then it was like they turned up and got in the playoffs. And literally looked like the old Chiefs. Don't get me wrong. There was a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff. I don't care what anybody say. Like, look, you could be biased. You could be blind all you want to and try to discredit them. But no, let's be real. The Chiefs were had a lot of stuff go for them. Even their own fans can say that, but they're not gonna really they're not gonna tell all of them because they want a Super Bowl. Why would I, I mean if my team the commanders want Super Bowl, I'll probably tell you shut up, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. We ain't do that. We ain't do that. Knowing deep down side, yeah, we pretty much did do that. But hey, we won. One championship. That's all that matters. Just win, baby. But when we got to the playoffs. You know, we thought they were going to lose to the Bills. That didn't work. We thought 
when you get to the Ravens, hey, you got Lamar Jackson, you got that offense, that defense is one of the best in the NFL. I mean, and honestly, all you had they had to do was run the ball against the Chiefs, and it would have been successful. Cause you're not gonna all stop Jamar Lamar Jackson. You're not gonna stop the running backs. You know, and then if you try to stop them, oh, their back will be open. Zay Flowers be like these because you're running the ball. No. They get to the playoffs and literally want to be a passing team. Forget the run. And then, you know, I'm going to let AJ Rissler speak about that later on the show. Because what he spoke about, he put it beautifully and eloquently that literally this needs to be heard. So the Chiefs went, beat the Ravens. Get the Super Bowl. And I'm gonna let my uh, uh, Lorenzo his speak on the 49ers as well. But for my aspect of it, and I did a reaction on this already, so you already know how I felt about that Super Bowl with the Chiefs and the Niners. If you, if you don't, if you don't remember, you just go back to my my podcast, one of my videos. I did a reaction on the Super Bowl. So let's stay. Then okay, now let's go down each part and see that that really had you like, kind of like okay. Really? What happened with that? Number one, we got. I, I know we're gonna talk about it, and he. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let him speak on it too. The Dallas Cowboys. Honestly, the you know the Cowboys looked like they were ready this year. I'm not gonna lie, they did look like it. At times, you can tell there was some fault to there. At times, there was some issues and some things that was gonna happen, but they looked like they were ready. They did. But when that playoff started, it's like what Stephen A. Smith said. And honestly, it's so sad that now, pretty much, the NFL University adopted it. Then after this, waiting to happen. Let me tell y'all something. I was at a little convention, little, little, little get together. And I had my phone on, you know, I'm doing my thing, you know, but at the same time, I'm looking at the game. I'm looking at the game, and I'm like, Packers score, okay, that's cool. You know, Dallas probably score right after them. Look at the game. Packers scored again. Okay, that's a little bit weird. Okay. Now I'm going, da, da, da. look again. Packers scored again. So now I'm like, what in the world is going on? I'm looking at Packers score again. Oh, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. I got what? Uh, uh-uh. I had to go inside that the app. I had to go look at the videos. I, what the world is going on? Oh, the Cowboys are starting to get exposed when it comes to running. Even though the Packers got Aaron Jones, who was uh, I mean, see Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, who was known to run. They didn't believe in Jordan Love because that was his first time in the playoffs. So technically, the, the Cowboys probably looked past the Packers because it was destined, quote unquote, destined. The Super Bowl premiere, who will go to Super Bowl, should be between the Sasko 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. Because let's be real, a lot of us thought that. No one thought the Eagles was going to be uh, went far in the playoffs. No one really thought that the Lions was gonna go far in the playoffs. Definitely not the Bucks. Definitely not the Rams. It was literally a destination 49ers versus Dallas Cowboys. It is the 90s and 80s revisited. But it used to be considered a game of the century. A lot of us, and including myself, thought, okay, let's get ready for this one. Cowboys, Niners. Conference championship, then who's going to the Super Bowl? Well, I guess the Green Bay Packers didn't read that memo because they said, uh uh-uh, uh, that's not gonna happen. And that was to me one of the, the biggest shocker, the biggest shocker in the NFL playoffs. Because nobody expected that. We may expect that they may be gonna lose eventually. But no one expected them to lose like that. Back to the season. You know, another person that I know he was going to win uh, 
hit uh, coach of the year, but I'll, he should have been at least nominated or at least up for Mike Tomlin. You know, one thing I can't stand, and I work at Max Media, and even there's a guy I worked in, Richie Somerville. He is a Steelers fan. He attested this too. But I always ask him. I ask a couple of my coworkers who are Steelers fans. I ask a couple of people I know who are Steelers fans. What is the issue with y'all, or I guess the media, I guess, and Mike Tomlin? Mike Tomlin has not had a losing season. Has not had a losing season. 17 years. And every time something bad happens or something, you know, maybe maybe in trouble, they might not make it a playoffs or whatever. Always. Like the last thing he had, the last interview, one of the few, last few interviews he had that was really funny, we walked out. One of the reporters asked, so you come to your last year of your contract. Why are you asking that question? It's like y'all really have a problem with this guy who's doing nothing but winning, and he's winning with what the stuff he got to deal with. Do y'all forget about Tonya Brown? Did y'all forget about Le'Veon Bell? Y'all forget the stuff he had to deal with. And yet, he has a winning season. Do you realize how many winning seasons the Commanders have had in 17 years? Not even us. Cardinals. I mean, think about all these teams. I had to have a pause for that. Think of so many other teams that, that they had to go through in order to get winning seasons. And this guy has 17 winning seasons. It's unbelievable. Now, there's been a lot of teams that were very, very shocking that they didn't make it. But then again, it's it kind of not really a shocker. It's same, uh, same aspect. So I still should have said that. The Titans didn't make it. Which caused them to fire Mike Vrabel, you know, even though, you know, he did have a couple of seasons where he was really good. Belichick. Yes. Bill Belichick, who is considered, if not the GOAT of coaches, was let go from the Patriots. Now, I know it's basically one of the reasons because the whole Tom Brady things and you know, there's gonna be a documentary on the uh, New England Patriots, and it's gonna detail a lot of that. But it's just weird that this coach, who literally, who team literally ran basically the NFL for almost 20 years since what 2001, they have been running the NFL. Every time you see playoffs, the Patriots was there. How many play? How many Super Bowls had the Patriots went to? They lost two, which was the Giants twice, but they beat the Rams twice. They they uh they they lost to the they did lose to the Eagles, but they beat the Panthers. They did beat the Eagles for one time. So you gotta look at it. This team has been running through people for over twenty years. Twenty years. And now he's gone. So what do you what 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 is the NFL season now? This past NFL season has been very, 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 very quick, very, very just almost cinema-like. And what's beautiful thing about it is it is the teams who got overlooked. They actually did something this year. Once again, Texas did something this year. Browns did something this year. The Cinderella story of the Detroit Lions. Like, a lot of people became fans of the Detroit Lions for what they did. And honestly, I became a fan of Detroit Lions. Even though, I mean, even back in the day, I wasn't really a Lions fan. I just like the players. Like, my, one of my favorite running backs of all time, Barry Sanders. I love Barry Sanders. One of my favorite receivers of all time was Calvin Johnson, Megatron. I love, I love Megatron. Heck, Staffy, I became a fan of his. You know, so it was just that good story, that good feeling over the Lions. That even though they did lose to the Niners, there was a part of me that wanted 
the Lions to get to the Super Bowl because that would be their first Super Bowl. Just like on the opposite side, I really wanted the Ravens to be in a Super Bowl. So it could be Baltimore versus Detroit. <laughs> of course, it would have been Black History Month and the Usher was performing. <laughs> but once again, that's enough for another day. But this NFL season definitely was one for the books. Definitely. I didn't. And now this upcoming season. It's upcoming season. You know, in seven months, it's going to be really, really. It should be good. It should be. Because now a lot of the people who didn't get exposure as much this this past season will get it next season. And a lot of team people that maybe uh, didn't want to go to at first because of how the team was, now they might be a hot commodity for destination for free agency. You know, you got like one of the biggest free agency, of course, is like Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Geno Smith, and, and other players. Now you got places where people probably wouldn't even want nowhere to touch before. It's now looking like, well, maybe I could go there. You know, they may not have that much taxes to deal with. Their fan base is pretty good. They're looking like they're being run by good, good leadership. You know, not the two our uh, homes, but the commanders literally when Josh Harris came in, and it and yes, this past season it hurt, but we had to realize Josh Harris has to wipe the stench off for what Dan Snyder did. So he had to get rid of, if not all, of the thing that Dan Snyder brought in his tenure, which involved the coach, which involved some key players, which involved the staff, which, if, you know, so when Josh Harris came, then he brought Bob Myers, who used to run the, uh, the Warriors. Then he brought in Pierce from from the Sesca 49ers. Now, if you look at what's going on now, the commanders are bringing in Cliff Kingsbury, a former head coach, He's not always coordinator. He bring in Dan Quinn, a former head coach who went to the Super Bowl with the Falcons and was a defensive coordinator of the Cowboys. He's the head coach of the Commanders. He also brought over Whip, who's a defensive coordinator now for the for the for, for the Commanders. And then we even brought half Ryan Kerrigan, who was one of the most beloved players in Washington community. I had a chance to meet Ryan Kerrigan in 2019 and interview him. And he's now a linebacker's coach. And then now we bring in Anthony Lynn, who runs the running back corner. So a lot of the stuff that's happening, you're starting to see is a lot of diversity, a lot of head coaches, and a lot of former players who would come in and teach these teach the players how to do the position. See, what Josh Harris did well, at first, it's almost like, let's be real, what his team is in Philly. How they all say trust the process. We have to actually trust the process with this. And... It's gonna be growing pains. It just hurt that we had to go through that, but I would rather go have growing pains for one or two seasons, knowing that maybe in that third season, you may see a big change. And we may see that change coming this draft in April. Because one of the biggest stories right now is, will Washington trade with the Chicago Bears to get that first pick? Because rumor is that Washington is gonna find somewhere to get Caleb Williams, but then they say the Bears might get Kayla Williams, which I really believe they shouldn't. They really should keep Justin Fields and build around him. They got DJ Moore, who's a great receiver. Go get Marvin Harrison Jr. so he can pair with him. Now he got two weapons. Not to mention the tight end is a weapon. Build offensive line around him. Then go and see if Justin Fields is that player. But, you know... And, then, and, and I, not because I'm a Commanders fan, but I wouldn't mind have Caleb Williams because it would be pairing him with Cliff Kingsbury. And if y'all see on uh, his Instagram, he literally sent a picture of Cliff Kingsbury and said, my dog, in a Washington Commanders outfit. So like Adam Shepard said, let the speculation begin. It would be a basically a match made in heaven if Kayla wins in April, gets drafted, and a team that drafted him is the Washington Commanders, and he pairs right back with Cliff Kingsbury. So then you could almost keep that win. It, it literally, it would be another cinema story. Not to mention, Washington has the highest cap room in all the NFL, a.k.a. 
We got the most money in free agency. That that hasn't happened in a very long time. Real, I mean, when I say long time, we're talking about. <laughs> I mean, for goodness' sake, Nino Brown phone was still around. That's how bad. That's how much long it has been since Washington had so much money. And honestly, we got credit Josh Harris. When we got rid of Chase Young and got rid of Montez Sweat, and no two contracts left with them, that opened up a window. And then a lot of the players that we have right now don't have that big of a contract because honestly, they're not really known players. But now we look like a, we look like a team that may have a good destination to come to. Because remember, at one time, nobody wanted to touch Washington because of Dan Snyder. Nobody wanted to come to us because of the stadium. Nobody wanted to come to us because they feel like watch y'all come there, holler y'all fans even show up. So now that you have new ownership, now that you have new players in the coaching staff, now it's almost saying like, okay, this 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 team looks like it's on the up and up. And then the reports of they might go back to they try to find a way to go back to RFK, the same stadium that we that Washington won uh has Super Bowls. You know, there's plenty of videos of people jumping up, rocking at RFK. RFK used to be so loud that you had Hall of Fame players like Troy Yateman and Steve, all the different players said coming to play at RFK was such an intimidation because it was so loud and so rocking that the fans of Washington Redskins was jumping up and down. That's how it's supposed to have been. But then we moved to FedEx Field. Uh, it won't really, uh, somewhat. I mean, you may have a couple of times where it was jumping, like the time RG3 was with us and we won a division because we beat Dallas and you saw the whole stadium just, that will be a moment that will live in infamy. So that right there just is just wonderful. Wonderful to see the commanders actually may possibly do something, may actually have high hopes because this owner is not playing, and he's bringing in people that's all about winning. Bob Myers was with is with, was with the Golden State Warriors. You see how what they did when he was helped running it. Them boys was killing it. Pierce from the Niners. You see exactly the Niners just in the Super Bowl. Some of the players that, that that's on that team was picked from Pierce and had help from Pierce, so he's over there. So you got three guys that's all about winning. And then not to mention, I didn't even mention Magic Johnson, who's a partner with Josh Harris. And if anybody know about basketball, if anybody know about the about who Magic Johnson is, losing is like a sickness to him. He hates to lose. He hates to lose. When he was a head coach of Lakers at a short period of time, he said he couldn't stand at adventure uh, because these players won't won't um, put the same fire that he had inside him and then he tried to impart it to them because he hates losing and some of these players that he was coaching just was like okay with it and he hated it so we need somebody like that who hates losing it's not just about money it's not just about exposure it's not just about all oh, no it's about winning i want to win and if you don't want to win there's a rectangle door right there you look outside you see your car go through it that's the type of ownership I like. That's the type of leadership I want. If someone say, look, we're going to work together. We're going to fight together. We're going to make sure we are going to do our best to win. Ain't no time to look at your paycheck. Ain't no time to look at your endorsements. No, because at the end of the day, your paycheck, your endorsements, everything that you make is because of those people in those stands who's paying two, three, four, five thousands of dollars to come see you and they can stay at home and watch you on NFL and Fox for free. But they are coming out here buying season tickets. They are coming out here buying your merchandise. They are coming here taking pictures with you. They're doing that. I need Lisa to show them like, if you're going to do it for anybody, yeah, you do it for the guys around you, but you better do it for them fans who spent their hard-earned money to come see you. They ain't making millions of dollars. They ain't, some of them ain't make thousands of dollars. Some of them have saved over a year to come see you for one game. So you better put your all into these games when you come on that field. That's the leader I like. That's the leader I want. To show them it's more than just what you put on the field. It's more to that. And that's the best thing about the leaders that we have right now that's all about that. They're about winning. And I love that. Because honestly, we didn't have that before. 
We didn't have that intensity that we need. And we need that intensity for these players. Grown men are still sometimes act like boys. It's time to literally to pull your skirt down and man up on the field. And that is what I love for leadership. And that's why this season in the 2024-2025 season of the Washington Commanders is a bright spot for a lot of us fans. Because we know we got somebody who ain't going to take no crap and is going to put fire under you. And we got leaders that were, as you can see, Chase Young was on uh, was a number two draft pick. And Montez, well, first of all, both of them, Montez and Chase Young were, was first round draft picks. And you see how fast he got them out of there? So that's telling me right there, if he can get these guys out who was first round draft picks, what that say about you? Because they like, if you don't want to play for this team, if you no, 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 you can go. If you you got issues, okay, we'll send you off, and we'll give we'll get your money for that. I like that. Cause everybody we talk about, we should keep Chase Young, or we should keep Montez. You know, we should keep no, no, no. Send them both out, and let's get that money, and let's work on this team right here. Let's work on let's let's, let's try to clean up the quote unquote culture that we always speak about, but the quote unquote culture that we had in Washington, there was no culture at all. It was a losing culture. It was a culture that was a bunch of PR mess that was said to try to sprinkle up stuff where it's like, nah man, we suck. Nah man, we ain't we ain't real about it. nah man, we ain't doing good. Teams that we should have beat, they're beating us. Ain't no way the Chicago Bears should be able to put 40 on us. Ain't no way that we should be losing to the goddamn on Jets. Ain't no way that the Giants, who was winless, played against Commanders, get their first win, looking like the dark and early days of the New York Giants. We gave them their confidence so much that they went on a win streak. They were supposed to have been losing this whole year to build up to get a, a quarterback in the draft. We gave them the confidence like, man, you know what? We can actually do something. We'll do good in the draft. Washington did that. Well, we're going to take a break. And coming up next, we're going to hear A.J. Rissa doing the Baltimore Ravens report. Stick around, everybody. This is So Disrespectful Sports Talk Show. It's been a night, such a night, such a long night. Watch myself disappear Every road that's wrong Seems like the road I'm on Every side just seems unclear And I I wish I was here Movement that inspires. Welcome back to Southern Respectful Sports Talk Show. This is Don Suave, and right now I have the pleasure and the privilege to talk to a supporter and reporter of the Baltimore Ravens. We have on the line AJ Rissa. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are we doing? I'm doing well, you know, the, the air is a little cloudy, but everything's still all good. So, my question I want to ask you is, of course, Baltimore Ravens, the last time they was on the field, they played against the Chiefs, and we know how that went down. So, I want to ask you, what is your reaction about the last game with the Chiefs? I mean, it was just a letdown. It was a complete letdown from the coaching. Uh, you look at a team that was number one in rushing all year long, uh, and teams knew that they were number one in rushing all year long and they still couldn't stop them and it became just a, a contest between literally Todd Munkin and using Lamar Jackson as a pawn uh, in a contest against Patrick Mahomes and when you're playing a Patrick Mahomes style game you're more than likely not going to win and 
you know, you look at their running backs in that game, a combined eight carries. Eight. That is completely unacceptable. And so, you know, from a watching that game, and I, I was there in person watching it, and, and all the hype was around that game, and it, you know, it looked like this was the year for Baltimore, and it was just a major letdown, and I think more so uh, from the coaching aspect uh, than it was anything else from the players on the field. Yeah, and, and speaking about the running game, for some odd reason, you know, a lot of us have seen it. It seems like teams that were known to run uh, apparently get to the playoffs and just completely throw it out the window. Like, what, what are your thoughts? Like, why do teams seem to always go against what got them to the dance? I mean, you listen to what said after the game, and, and when he was asked about kind of deserting the run, uh, you know, midway through that game, and, and he was saying – that that was just kind of how the, the game was, was going on. And, you know, to an extent, I mean, you look at that game, it was 17-10 as a final score, but there was one point where I believe uh, Kansas City was up uh, more than one score. And so I, I can sit there and say that I understand it to an extent, but it wasn't like this was a, a 35-14 game or a, a four-possession, you know, game. Baltimore was in that game regardless of how bad the coaching and the play calling, and, and obviously the execution was too. And you know, you can sit there and talk about some missed calls by the referees with that that interception in the end zone. But at the same time, if if you're Lamar Jackson, there's no way you should be throwing the ball into triple coverage. I mean, you go back to the Kansas City game, or not Kansas City, to the Houston game, and, and Baltimore pretty much had their way uh, with that Houston defense. But it's all because it started with the run, and, and Baltimore became a one-dimensional team, and they're not designed for that. Yeah, and I think honestly, going back to what you said about the the run that it was dimensional, it's like the aura of the Kansas City Chiefs is like the, back in the day, New England Patriots. How it seems like you go against that team, it's like the game plan that you used to always know. You just got to do something different to surprise them. Where if you could continue with the game plan, that seemed like that will work against a team like the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, they don't have a great run defense, and the aspect you have a top running offense with the Baltimore Ravens so I just got to ask you as well you know the season is over of course we have seven more months to the next season but what is your takeaway from the 2023-2024 Baltimore Ravens I mean if I had to put a single word on it I'm gonna say a waste I mean it was a waste and we look at this team and this was arguably the best all-around team that the Baltimore Ravens have ever put on the field you think back to the 2000 Super Bowl, that was a complete defensive scheme and a complete defensive show showdown. And we haven't had an offense like this since Lamar Jackson became the quarterback, uh, but we haven't had this kind of team from top to bottom, defense to, to offense, and, and I mean, heck, even special teams. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's a waste. You know, and 10 years ago, we were fighting or we were, you know, Ravens fans were arguing over the fact of whether or not Joe Flacco was an elite quarterback. And fast forward now, we have an elite quarterback, and it's not enough. Because when you have two MVP seasons, one of which is unanimous, and really you could almost say the second one was pretty much unanimous, having 49 out of 50 votes. But, you know, accolades during the season are cool. Uh, but when you have expectations, those accolades really don't mean much. Yeah, I understand that. And then Lamar Jackson is definitely a generational talent. You know, for guys like me who grew up watching Michael Vick, I've, Lamar Jackson is definitely the Michael Vick and 2.0 a little bit better as well. Even Michael Vick would say the same thing. Like I said, the season is over. You know, so what are your thoughts? What, what's the offseason looking like for the Ravens? Well, really, it's going to be a huge offseason. Uh, so when, when free agency starts, you look at the Ravens, and I believe they have 26 players on that active roster um, that are going to become free agents. Um, and, and some of the notables, obviously, uh, Justin Matabike, who led interior defensive linemen in sacks all year long. Uh, you look at Jadavian Clowney, who had an absolute resurgent year uh, as a dominant rusher. Uh, guys like that, Patrick Queen, we talk about one of the best linebacker duos in the NFL. That was Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith. Obviously, they got the big deal done with Roquan. Uh, but Patrick Queen was always a guy that they were like, we don't know if we can resign him. So you have to look, and the, the, the trouble is, is that you don't have the money to bring all of them back. And so you obviously have to start prioritizing who. Who is going to be the guy that you're throwing money at? Do you do you look at the, the veteran leadership 
of Davian Cloudy and say, look, he, he works really good in our system. Are we bringing him back? Are we looking at Matabike saying, hey, again, one of the best interior defensive linemen in the NFL, do we bring him back? Or do we want to keep you know, that linebacker core together and bring back PQ? Uh, the defensive side is going to be troubling to see how the money gets thrown around. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, the, the Ravens lucked out. I guess you could say, unfortunately, lucked out. He looked at the injury that happened to Mark Andrews. Fortunately, he was able to come back. But Isaiah Likely stepped in and just absolutely dominated in that tight end position. So it looks like they're going to be okay there, especially with Mark Andrews coming back. Uh, but now you look at the receiving court. I don't care what anyone says about all the money that Baltimore sent to Odell Beckham Jr. The passion and the energy and, and really just the inspiration he brought to that receiving core and to Lamar Jackson, it's not something we're used to seeing out of Odell. We go back to the days of, of him fighting with other players and him showing up as coaches on the sideline. We did not see that at all this year from Odell Beckham. Uh, it was a completely crazy uh, display from him on and off the field. And it was worth it. I, I don't care if we would have paid him $25 million last year. Just him being on that field uh, was, was amazing. So the offensive side of the ball, they're going to get some running backs back again. Uh, you know, J.K. Dobbins, what are they going to do with him? Keaton Mitchell was one of the best running backs in the league. Now, granted, a short... Uh, time period, but I think he was averaging eight yards a carry. Um, so the running backs are going to be huge next year as well, and, and I think they learned from that Kansas City game. And you know, this is going to be a team that's going to lead the league in rushing once again. We're speaking with AJ Rissa, uh, reporter for the Baltimore Ravens, and you were speaking about the free agency, you know, which is a definitely the big topic is going to be for the Baltimore Ravens. Obviously, there's about a few players in the free agency that's tied to the Ravens that a little bit of the rumor mill. Like Derrick Henry, Levante Davis from the from the Buccaneers, even uh, Geno Stone, who also with the Ravens, the t stay with the Ravens. So, what free agent out there that you feel like if you do get will be like the biggest landing spot for the Ravens? I mean, you know, Derrick Henry's been thrown around a lot. Uh, Marlon Humphrey does a podcast on the side, and, and forgive me, I forget what the name of it is, but. Uh, he had some insider information, so to speak. Obviously, he is one of the players, but uh, it was very close for Derrick Henry to become a Baltimore Raven uh, at the trade deadline. Uh, it was very, very close. Now, granted, that didn't happen. And you look at the caliber of player that Derrick Henry is, uh, obviously any team that gets him is going to be that much better in the rushing game. Uh, the Ravens, it's such a tricky thing because, again, J.K. Dobbins coming off what seems like back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back season-ending injuries. Keaton Mitchell being an undrafted free agent out of ECU really showing up, but then he gets injured. So it, it's you always wonder what those guys are going to be back or what they're going to be when they get back. So I, I wouldn't say that I don't want Derrick Henry because, again, any team gets him. Uh, but at the same time, you, you have to make a decision if you're going to – depend and, and have trust in the running backs that you have and Gus Edwards and Justice Hill depending on what happens with those guys and then you get J.K. back depending on what happens with his contract and, and if they have trust in him. Um, I, I don't think I'm prioritizing the running back position. Um, and again, I think everything hinges on what they're able to do and what free agent or what uh, their own free agents they decide to extend. Uh, because if, if Odell doesn't re-sign because you know, I think he can still get some more money elsewhere and the Ravens aren't going to be able to pay him that much, then you have to look somewhere at the receiver position. Um, but if you decide which defender, you know, again, the defense is the biggest thing here. Marlon Humphrey's getting older. Obviously, Kyle Hamilton, one of the best safeties uh, in the game. Um, but what are they going to do with all of their free agents? So it, it's really hard to say what free agent I want um, because we don't know what the Ravens are going to do with their own free agents. So it's hard to say. If they, they re-sign someone on defense and give them a big contract, then they obviously have to go after a receiver. And that's where I'm and vice versa on that, that front. Okay. And before I let you go, I just got to ask, the NFL draft is in three months, April 24th. So what do you think, who you think the Ravens are going to go for in the draft? Who do you think they're going to try to land? You know, I hate to keep saying it. It just depends on who they, they re-sign free agents free agent-wise, but, you know, there's also a couple names I didn't mention. I mean, the, the offensive line 
Ronnie Stanley wasn't the same guy uh, that he's been dominant-wise over the last couple of years. Kevin Zeitler, another guy that has been huge ever since they traded for him, uh, but he's getting older in age, and I believe he's a free agent. So I could see the, the Ravens going after um, an offensive lineman, but I am not going to rule out uh, them going after a receiver in that first round. It really depends on who's there late because, again, it's not like they're mid-20s or mid-teens. Uh, they're, they're late in that draft. So I don't think this is the kind of year where they, tra- they trade up, uh, but it, the Ravens have always been a best player available type uh, of organization. So I've seen some a couple of mocks out there uh, for offensive line and receiver, and I, I don't hate that. Um, and I think that a corner could also be in the mix, but it just depends on who's available uh, late in that draft. Okay. Well, I'd like to thank you very much for your time. Thank you for the work that you do. And uh, we just want to say we look forward to hearing more from you and seeing exactly what the Baltimore Ravens are going to do later in the, in the year. Thank you very much for your time. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you. You're very much welcome, man. Uh, we're going to take a break. Right now, you're listening to the So Disrespectful Sports Talk Show. I'm Don Suave. We'll see you in a minute. Union of Fruity Sweet Gummy and Tangy Crunchy Nerds. Nerds Gummy Clusters. Unleash your senses. Welcome back to So Disrespectful Sports Talk Show. This is your host, Don Sauve, and I have the privilege and honor to introduce to you the reporter and supporter of the Dallas Cowboys, Bruce Howard. How are you doing today? What's going on, man? Everything's good. I'm glad to hear that. So I got to start with this question. You know, last time the Cowboys played, they lost to the Green Bay Packers 48-32. to What do you recall from that game? Well, the thing that stood out the most was utter shock, especially in the beginning when the Green Bay Packers was going out and having drives of 75 yards, 10 play drives, and uh, – Offensive guards and centers getting to the second and third level able to knock over safeties playing linebacker. You're not going to win a game that way. They're going to control the clock. They're going to dominate. You think, you think about it, Aaron Jones has nine touchdowns out of the last two times that they played the Cowboys. They just, they just dominated offensively and defensively in the interior situation. You're not going to win a game that way. It's going to control the clock. The offense for the Cowboys aren't going to get a chance to get going. There's no way that, that you can win a game in that type of situation. So you were speaking about Aaron Jones and the running back, which, you know, you would think that he is like the main focus on their team because of what he does for the Green Bay Packers. But so what was what do you think was the issue with the Cowboys defense that we heard it was this historically good defense? Like, what do you think was the issue with that? Well, the, the main issue is interior play. We defensive tackle play. They're not able to to hold the, the, the offensive line so they can't get to the second and third levels. If you can't, if you can't hold an offensive line from getting to that second level to put their hands on linebackers and putting their hands on safeties, there's no way that you can stop a running back from running. I don't care who the running back is. Once you got linebackers that's, that's light in the pants, 200-pound linebackers, safeties playing linebackers, they're going to get moved around like rag dolls. Think about it. That's at least five yards a clip every time they play a play. Every time. Two five-yard plays, what's that? That's a first down. That's correct. And uh, I know we, we saw the defense, but let's be real. The biggest story that's coming out of the Dallas Cowboys since the game is Dan Prescott. Now, his stats for that game, I know that they, there might be garbage times and, and all the you know the other things that come with it. But he did leave that game with 403 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. Now, I got to ask you, your owner, Jerry Jones, said that this team will go as far as that can take them. 
I mean, what are your thoughts about saying that about Dak Prescott? Well, one is Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is a complete salesman. What person is going to sell more tickets on a football team than a quarterback? True. And uh, in, in all honesty, in all honesty, Dak Prescott has too much on his shoulders. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely too much. Mike McCarthy came into the season saying he wants to run the football. You take the last game that we played, the last game that we played, out of the running backs touching the football coming straight out the backfield was 16 plays. Dak Prescott has 60 passes. You're not going to win a football game that way. You're absolutely not. Well, the thing that we need to rely on is defense in the running game. We need a Dale Cal running back. We need a bell cow running back that's able to run the ball at least 20 to 25 times a game, play good, strong defense, and that will have us having greatness in the future, getting towards the big game. And, you, and, I, and I understand that completely because, you know, no, you got to have some type of balance in a, in a, in a football team. You can't, you can't have your quarterback throwing like that like press like 60 times when you, you know, He's not a robot. He's, he's, he's going to get tired. And then it's going to make the receivers get tired because they got to keep running routes. That's what the running game is to slow the game down. Now, speaking of the running game, I know this past season, Tony Pollard, I know a lot was on the shoulder because before that, you had Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. So I asked you, you know, the, the free agency is coming. Do you, do you see y'all going for Derrick Henry? And that, that, he's absolutely on my wish list. Derrick Henry's on my wish list. Devin Singletary is another running back that could be a Bill Cow back that's on, on the wish list. And I, another one, another great one. All right, we want a Tony Pollard style running back. If that was the if that was the goal, how about we get a bigger one like Saquon Barkley? Mm. You know, you take a 200-pound running back, he's not going to be able to bust through the line every time. Like, it's, you got to be a special 200-pound running back to do that. But Saquon Barkley is two hundred and thirty pounds. A lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a he's a he's a big kid. He can take that pounding. I know the history doesn't necessarily say that, but I think the Giants was relying too much on him and wearing him down. You take a Saquon Barkley and get a, a spell type running back. Yeah, that'll be a good. That's that's a good deal right there. Getting the game out of Dak Prescott's hands, not having him throw the ball sixty times a game. And that's absolutely right. And you know the two teams that actually in the Super Bowl actually proved that if you actually balance it, it would do wonders for the quarterback. A lot of people, you know, history doesn't change itself. Exactly. But you did say something earlier about Mike McCarthy, and let's be real: a lot of fans and people all say, you know, why y'all still have him when you got Belichick on the outside. So as a as a supporter for the Dallas Cowboys. What's your assessment on Mike McCarthy? Do you think keeping him was the right decision? I think keeping him was the right decision. You, 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 if we was to take and fire Mike McCarthy, there's a great chance that that team would get set back three to five years. Mm. Even with the players that we have on a team, who's to say that another, co- uh, another coach doesn't come in here and tries to change the philosophy offensively and defensively? Then you got... Yeah, we have veterans, but it's veterans learning a whole new system that they've been. They got a change that they've been in for three, three, at least three years now. Twelve and five seasons don't come out of nowhere. That's success, season wise. That's success. If it was easy, every team would be twelve and five. Mm. So let's not say that Mike McCarthy came in here and did absolutely nothing. That's not true. He, but the the way he failed and he got away. And part of it was Tony Pollard not being able to, to carry the load like he thought he would. He got away from his philosophy. Mike McCarthy came into the season saying he wanted to run the football. Okay. And we're speaking with Bruce Howard, uh, the reporter for the Dallas Cowboys as well. Now, if you could sum up, maybe in a couple words or one word if you could, what would be your takeaway from this past 2023-2024 season? Disappointment. Ooh. Mm. When you get used to 12 and 5 and you get in the postseason and don't get to the next level, just utter disappointment. Mm. Man, that's a very strong word. And the last, before I let you go, 
you know, it's seven months to the next season. So what do you expect from the Cowboys in the offseason? Do you possibly have any early predictions for the next season? Um, well, the things that I would like to get done is getting Dak Prescott's contract out of the way. That's going to open up a lot of things as far as us being able to work in free agency. As we spoke before, a Derrick Henry or Saquon Barkley out of free agency will be great. Also, we also need linebackers, actual linebackers. No safeties playing linebackers. Patrick Queen is out there. Let's throw a couple of dollars at him. Let's get him in for a cup of coffee and, and get to talking. See what his mindset is as far as his success is getting that ring and being on a winning winning team. 12 and 5 is what I expect, and that's absolutely fine. But the postseason, I want to at least get to the NFC Championship. Mm. And that's probably been the one thing Lord old Cowboys for the longest is the fact that it has been such a long time since I've been to the conference championship. But like I said, it got seven months, so we all are waiting and patient. I mean, this past season was a very interesting season. So the next seven months is definitely going to be interesting, especially with the draft coming in April and then preseason and then, you know, season come in. Well, I want to thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you taking my call, and we look forward to hearing you uh, down Absolutely. the road. Absolutely. All right, man. All right. Thank you very much. Take it easy. You too. So you just heard Bruce Howard with the Dallas Cowboys reporter. And stay tuned. We're coming right back on the So Disrespectful Sports. Only Super Bowl winners get a ring, right? Wrong. M&M's presents the Almost Champions Ring of Comfort. It's actual science. First, we took comforting M&M's peanut butter and compressed it into real diamonds. It doesn't taste like peanut butter. Don't like the blame. Then we polished them with the size of those who <sighs> almost won a Super Bowl. Almost. And Scarlett Johansson. I've lost two Oscar races. In the same year. Psst, don't tell Marino I gave you this. Mm-hmm. We're back with So Disrespectful Sports Talk Show. I'm your host, Don Suave. Once again, I have the honor and privilege to interview one of the San Francisco 49ers supporter and reporter. His name is Lorenzo Hicks, but most of you know him as Renzo. So, Mr. Hicks, I got to ask, and I know it's still fresh, but you got to say it. What is your thoughts and your reaction to the Super Bowl? My thought is we let another slip away. I mean, this is the second Super Bowl when Shanahan had the lead in the fourth quarter. And again, he lost everything that got him there. Also, with the overtime rule, we definitely should have gave them the ball first. I don't understand the point of giving Mahomes four extra downs. So we definitely should have gave them the ball Um Again, we let another one slip away. It's hard to get there, so got to wait another six months before we see what this team can do again. I definitely understand that because getting to the Super Bowl is definitely not an easy feast. And the fact that y'all did get back within a short period of time is something to look forward to. And let's be honest, the San Francisco 49ers is a Super Bowl team. It's just sometimes, as we notice, they get in the way of their own self. As and you say with Kyle Shanahan and plus the overtime rules, that was going to be talked about for a while. And it's sad that that may be another stain on the Kyle Shanahan resume. But I want to go dug, I dig a little bit deeper. You know, with this game, what are your thoughts on Brock Purdy? And to follow up to that is, can you finally put the bed of him being only a game manager? I definitely feel Brock is the future. Um, he definitely did better things than Jimmy did that season that we went to the Super Bowl. He's definitely takes his time in the pocket and he can Russell Wilson his situation out of the pocket if need be. So I definitely think Brock is the future. I don't see anyone that's coming out of college or free agency that can take over this team and do what Brock did this year. That's exactly and I agree with that because let's be honest, there's nothing wrong with the word or the phrase you would say of game manager. Because as a quarterback, that's one of your main jobs is to master game. Your job is to make sure an interception is not thrown. Uh, if you're the coach in the field, the right calls are being played. You get the ball to what it needs to get to, you score touchdowns. You know, so what Brock Purdy proved this year is that he is a quarterback that is worthy of a starting position for one. 
Number two, he's worthy to be talked about in one of the top ten NFL quarterbacks. He really proved that because no one really saw Mr. Irrelevant being like this two years ago or a year ago. Matter of fact, even more of this year as well. But he's proven that, yes, he is the real deal, and he's still young, and we still have a lot of time in his career to see exactly what he's going to do. Now, many fans of the Niners, I do want to ask you this, because this is definitely a, a question that Seth uh, Flash has spoken about, that Kyle Shanahan, his coaching, I, I got to ask you, what are your thoughts on Kyle Shanahan, and can y'all really win a Super Bowl with him? I think Cal is a great coach. He's a awesome play caller when it comes to the offense. I think his biggest, I guess, critique is he lets the game get away from him and he forgets what got him there. Um, I, I honestly felt like he tried to make Brock win that game, whereas what got us there was the running. Um, so I don't. Everyone saying fire Kyle and all this stuff. No, you can't fire Kyle. He's a, he's a great coach, and I would rather have a coach that takes my team to the Super Bowl than you know a team that every season is disappointed. Yes, and that is big because Kyle Shanahan, you know, he is a good play caller. You know, he. Has a resume. He does. He does do well with the Niners. It's just the fact that these two things is going to stay him with the Niners. When the Niners went to the Super Bowl earlier, the Chiefs, y'all was winning in the fourth quarter, but then play calling, they came back. The same thing with this year, y'all were winning, and then when the third quarter start, it seemed like the game plan went a different route, and we see what happened at the end. But I do agree with you. Coming from a Washington Commander fan, we haven't had a coach that, that can, no, can nearly get us to a Super Bowl, can nearly even get us to a conference championship, let alone a Super Bowl. The last time the, the Washington Commanders was in the Super Bowl was when I was playing Madden. But in real life, it was in 91. I wasn't, even, I, I wasn't preschool by the time there was a Super Bowl. So I'm looking to that nowadays that Yes, I would rather wish I have a coach that will get me to that dance. And even though I want to win and we do lose, I can say that we went to the dance. It has been almost 30 years since the last time Washington has been a Super Bowl. To be exact, it's been 20, it's been actually 31 years to, since 1991. So I know how fans may feel, the analysts may feel, and you all right, you know, Cal Shanahan. He has his good qualities. He does take y'all there. And, yeah, you would rather have a coach who at least gets you to or near the dance so you actually have a time, uh, chance to win, unlike other teams who haven't even sniffed a playoffs, let alone sniffed a Super Bowl. Now, with the season, it's, it's officially ended. I got to ask you, what do you take away from the 2023-2024 season? What I took away from this season is we got a great team. Unfortunately, things happen in all season, so we probably won't have every single player that we had this season that contribute to us going to the Super Bowl. But it was great to watch Brock grow. Uh, obviously, it was great to see McCaffrey do what he do. Um, IU keep growing up. The defense got better. But um, I don't know. It's just it's tough to see that team not hold a trophy because I honestly think this is the best team we've had in years. We're speaking with Lorenzo Hicks of the San Francisco 49ers uh, reporting. Now, before I let you go, and great answer about the team. You know, personally, I love the team. We had Colin Kaepernick, uh, Anquan Bolden, Fred Davis. I mean, see, Vernon Davis, you know, Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman and Things of that uh, covenant, which I really believe y'all should have beat the Ravens. Y'all, y'all could have been if they would have called that penalty at the end of that Super Bowl. But that's another that's another story for another day. Now, finally, we have seven months into the next season. But what do you expect to see in the off season? And do you have any predictions for the new season? Offensive line, 
offensive line and offensive line. That's the, I guess that's the biggest thing that we missed from last season was having a great offensive line. Obviously, we had Trent Williams, but he can't do it himself. We need someone on that right side that can protect Brock, someone in the center that can protect um, maybe a, another cornerback or two. But honestly, if we keep majority of what we had last season, there should be no reason why we don't go back to the Super Bowl next year. Well, I just thank Mr. Hicks for his reporting on the Seska 49ers, and we'll hope to see you again later on down the line. As far as my fans go, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for tuning in and supporting. This is So Disrespectful Sports Talk Show. <laughs>